0: Although this is a new year coming in, nothing's new with me. The things that I've done before and the things I'm going to do after, they are to bless my people. The thing you need to know that is I'm always fresh. Even when you don't think I'm there, I'm there. I'm there for you. You can take this year and keep it in me, and you can have the best year you've ever had in your life or you don't have to, but it's before you this day that I give you this new year and that you can step into me and you can surpass anything you've ever dreamed of this year. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Hallelujah. Well, turn to someone and say, get ready, get ready to step into a fresh new year in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, tomorrow, the calendar starts again to start another 12 months to fulfill what God has given to us to do. Amen. amen, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what Terry always says, the two, the two enemies are the clock and the calendar. They keep, they keep moving along. They never stop for anybody. The only time it stopped is when Joshua spoke to the sun and told it to stand still. Amen. God is a good God. Yes, he is. Okay. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Why don't you open up to Isaiah 48. You know, there's a good word from the Lord that every day is fresh in Him. You know, you never read the Word of God like it's stale old bread. It's always fresh and alive every day. You know why? Because you don't know everything there is about that verse. You may be walking in some of it, but yet there's a whole lot more. And uh, there's so much to the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of God. And every verse is living. It's full of life. And ready to move us into a greater realm and a greater place in Him. Hallelujah. 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 But you know, for that to happen, it's like that song that we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Do the things of earth grow dim to you because of spending the time in the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean you quit your job. It doesn't mean you quit work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the things of earth just they're just not important. You know. And the only reason that we're here on the earth is to fulfill and do the things that God wants us to do. Because that's what's most important. You were born for just such a day as this. Today, this time, this season upon the earth. It's not for us to look around and go, oh, things are so bad. Things are so bad. You know who says that? People that are lost. Now, it doesn't matter if they're saved or not. They're lost. They're lost as a goose in the fog and don't know anything about the things of God. Because for the believer, these are great days. For worriers, these are great days. you got a lot to worry about if you like worrying, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But these are great days for the kingdom. Hallelujah. And the days get brighter and brighter. Who was it? Dr. Rich was sharing with me today about that there's more Christians on the face of the earth today than ever before. And they want to tell you how Christianity is diminishing, but that's because denominations are diminishing. But the living church is rising up. There's more light on the earth today than there has ever been. And there'll be more light next year than there is this year. And you get to walk in more light of the revelation of the word of God than you did this year. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't ever look at the Word and think, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. You know, sometimes I look at the Word of God and I think in my head, well, what am I going to read? I mean, what haven't I read? And out of my heart was a yo-yo, just read it. 48. You know, sometimes I have to talk to myself like that. And those are the nicer things that I say to myself. (laughs) But it gets my attention, and that's what counts. Isaiah 48, verse 3. Hallelujah. I declared the form of things long ago. You know, long ago, the form of things that have already passed, God declared these things a long, long time ago. And, in fact, as we read in the book through the churches and the book of Revelation on Wednesday night, we found out that The very ending of the book, he declared it thousands of years ago from the garden. Isn't that right? And uh, he declares the ending from the beginning. And he declares it upon the face of the earth. That's what that verse means when he says, the worlds were created by the word of God. That doesn't mean the cosmos world. It's the ions or the ages. The ages were created and formed by the word of God. The word of God spoken through men on the earth formed the ages. You want to form your life, start speaking the Word of God. Stop wishing and hoping for things to happen. Just say, oh, things are going to be great. You need to speak the Word of God or the devil comes smack the nonsense out of you. You need to be speaking the Word of God. Because that's what forms the ages. That's what forms your life. You don't like the way your life is. You don't like the way things are going. Start reforming it. If you do like the way your life is going, then form it even better. But you form it by the way, way the way the way God did, He declared the form of things from long ago. That's how you form the ages. And they went forth from my mouth and I proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted, and they came to pass. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, God is a God of suddenly. You know, God don't live in the realm of time. We do. But time was not designed to frustrate you. Time was designed to grow you. That's why you have time. You have time to grow. You have time to develop. You have time to produce endurance. You have time to get all those character traits in order. That's what time does. But then God moves suddenly. Suddenly. I've declared it. They went forth from my mouth. I proclaimed them, but suddenly, suddenly I acted. Hallelujah. And what happens when God acts? It comes to pass. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God moves suddenly. God shows up. Suddenly, God moves and delivers. Suddenly, God brings healing. Suddenly, suddenly your needs are met. Suddenly, your marriage is healed. Suddenly, your children return. Suddenly, your mind is sound. God is a God of suddenly. Don't let time frustrate you. Use your time wisely and develop. You know, it's what it says in in Ephesians. You know, don't be unwise, but be wise. You know, use your time wisely, is what it says in Ephesians. Isn't that right? Use it wisely. Why? Because God wants to move on your behalf. What are you developing in? The things that he has declared, the things that he has proclaimed, and he's looking for that time of suddenly when he can move into your life. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. God wants to move suddenly, and I believe that this is the year that we need to put ourselves in position and start living on the edge of our seat. That is this year, the time to live on the edge of your seat. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what does it mean to live on the edge of your seat? Because everybody's got different ideas about what it means to live on the edge of your seat. One thing it does not mean is you don't fly by the seat of your pants. That's not what living on the edge of your seat. Well you know, we just we just fly, you know, right off the cuff and whatever happens. No, that's not the edge of your seat. That you don't fell off your seat. So we're not talking about flying by the seat of your pants. We're talking about living on the edge of your seat and having a total expectation. An expectation of whatever, however, wherever, whenever, whoever. Expectation of the anointing of God. Expectation of the gifts of God. Expectation of manifestations of His presence. Now, that won't happen because you're in the service. This is going to happen when you take the things you hear and you start meditating on them on a daily basis. I have an expectation of, the, of God, whatever, however, whenever. I have an expectation of his anointing. I have an expectation of the gifts of God moving. I have an expectation that he will manifest his presence. Now, why can you have an expectation of that? Because he's promised it. I mean, we've talked about all of this stuff for years. This is nothing new. You can find it in the Word. In fact, every single one of you ought to be able to go to the Word of God and find out exactly where that's at and know where it's at because we've discussed it for so long. It's living on the edge of your seat. The expectation that you ought to have on God is within the plan of God. The expectation cannot be outside the plan of God. It's within the plan of God. God gave a plan to his disciples. Go ye. Simple. Go ye. And in that plan was manifestations. In that plan was gifts of the Spirit. In that plan, the anointing of God moved. In that plan, God showed up. Why? Because they went ye. They did what he said. They were in the plan. Isn't that right? Yes. Living on the edge of your seat is being prepared to move and to act at the drop of a hat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Being prepared to move and act at the drop of a hat. That is, as soon as you get on the inside of you, you get that unction on the inside of you, you're ready to move. Yes. You're ready to act because you've been on the edge of your seat just waiting. <laughs> living on the edge of your seat is living in times of Suddenly. Suddenly in obedience. See, when your obedience becomes suddenly, suddenly act, suddenly move, suddenly obey God, suddenly I give, suddenly I go, suddenly I trust, immediately. God starts acting immediately. Peter and John was coming up on the gate, beautiful, and there was a man there that was lame. Been there all the time. And Peter and John stopped before they got there and go, you feel something from God? Do you think God wants you to do something? Well, I don't know. What do you think? you think that's God? Well, you know, I don't know. You know I mean? It could be. It could not be. And, you know, of course, by the time they get done discussing all that, the sun goes down. Somebody's carried him away. No. No. They acted immediately. Suddenly they acted And suddenly God moved. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Being on the edge of your seat means to be excited. Now, you don't have to be hanging from the chandeliers. You know, I could be very excited on the inside, and and on the inside there's a shaking going on, and I could be very still on the outside. In fact, the time that I went to Ukraine, I was without luggage for four days. No luggage for four days. And uh, Pastor Datha, you remember Pastor day, she was over there at the time, and she said to me, well, you handle that situation very well. I said, on the, on the outside? <laughs> I said, on the inside, I was kind of nervous, you know. We were getting ready to leave Kiev and go to another city, and I had no luggage yet. They already thought I was wearing a preacher's outfit. I wore the same clothes every day. <laughs> so you could be excited inwardly, stirring on the inside. But you don't have to be hanging from the chandeliers. So it's not a personality trait, it's a spiritual trait. On the edge of your seat, excited, nervous, nervous. The minute I said go ye, y'all got nervous. <laughs> Sitting on the edge of one seat is being filled with suspense while you're waiting to find out what happens next. You could be in the middle of a situation and you're believing God for something, but you don't know how this is going to happen. You're 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 in suspense. You're waiting to see what's God going to do here. What do most people do? Oh, I hope God moves. I hope God's oh, I hope God does something. Oh dear God, I hope you do something. See, and with that lack of faith, God ain't going to do nothing. That's not an expectation. And I've seen that from people all the time where, where they believe God said something to them inside. But it's always, I hope God does something. I hope God's going to do I hope God, I hope God comes through. I hope, I hope, I hope. You ain't hoping. That's hope in the world. That's worldly hope. Not God hope. So we're talking about waiting to find out what happens because we have an expectation that God's going to move. Oh, I want to see what God's going to do. Be, sitting on the edge of your seat sometimes could be said of those that are looking at a movie or a TV show, show and they're in suspense. The image is that of one literally sitting on the front of their chair because they're unable to sit back and relax. Kind of like I sit at my office chair all day long, right on the edge of my chair. I never sit back. In my, I'm always on the edge of my chair. Because I always have to jump up and go do something else. <laughs> You understand? So sitting on the, on the edge of your seat is total anticipation. What is God going to do here? Very excited. Giving your full attention to something. You know, when you are on the edge of your seat watching a movie, you're giving your full attention. You don't want nobody talking to you. Don't interrupt me. Don't tell me about the plans of tomorrow. No, I don't even want to hear what you're thinking about. I am focused here. Is that right? Yeah. That's what it means to sit on the edge of your seat, totally focused, giving your full attention to what is going on. An idiom for on the edge of your seat is anxious, in suspense, nervous, excited. And those can all be good things. Isn't that right? Yeah. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he's in prison when he's writing this. And he says, um, uh, Philippians 1, 19 and 20, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, the Ben Campbell Johnson's translation says, I will keep on celebrating because I know this attitude will bring my deliverance through your prayers for me and the constant gift of the Spirit from Christ. Uh Well, we know that the Spirit is never leaving you nor forsaking you. Right. And then the prayers of each other, just like we prayed today for Barbara, the prayers for each other builds each other up. Right. Isn't that right? Amen. So he says, I know y'all in Philippi are praying for me, and I know the Spirit of Christ is with me. Therefore, it will turn out for my deliverance. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it will turn out for my deliverance, and verse 20 says, according to my earnest expectation and hope. According to, the Greek word kata, intensive word, controlled and dominated by my earnest expectations. For I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Christ, uh, controlled, conquered, and dominated by my earnest expectation and hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, why did Paul have such an earnest expectation. Number one, he knew he was in God's will. Mm. See, a lot of people don't know if God's going to move because they don't know if they're in the will of God. And this is why we always say before you take your first step, you need to know the will of God. You don't take a step and then figure it out later. No, no, no. You'll, you'll get hit from every side and you won't know. Mm-hmm. Paul knew he was in the will of God. So therefore, that was his first expectation and hope. He didn't just want to be delivered because, you know, I don't want any problems here. See, that's what a lot of people are like. They're like, well, I'm believing God to get out of this because I don't want no problems. I want this to work well because I don't want any trouble. Well, la-dee-da. You don't want any trouble and you live in this world. Lots of luck. No, Paul's expectation, you know, and a lot of people are like that. They'll say, well, I'm believing God's going to deliver me out of this because I don't want to have to." Have. No, are you in the will of God? That's the point, are you in the will of God? The second thing he knew was that this adversity was not God's will. Neither was it some kind of a punishment from God. He knew that so he could believe God for deliverance. The third thing is that no matter what, he would not live for himself or for his self-comfort. Oh, there's a big one. (laughs) He would not live for himself or for his self-comfort, but he lived to glorify Christ in all situations. He said, with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I'm not living for the comfort. I'm not trying to get out of this for my own comfort. I just want Christ to be exalted. Are you, we, are you with me? See, it's very, very easy for us to dictate to God how He can and cannot glorify Himself in our lives. God, I need you to meet this need. I need you to meet this need that'll glorify you. No, I don't want you to do that in my life. No, don't ask me to do this. But this is what I want you to do. See, a lot of people will dictate to God what they want. Unbelieving God for everything they want. But never for something that God wants. Because they're choosing how God's going to be glorified. Are you with me? But Paul was very wise. He left it up to God. God, it's up to you how you get glorified. As far as I'm concerned, you'll be glorified in anything. And he left it up to God on how deliverance was going to come. They say, now, there's a big thing. Leaving it up to God how your deliverance is going to come. Is he going to deliver you out of it? Is he going to deliver you around it? Or is he going to deliver you from the middle of it or going through it? You have to go through it and you'll get delivered on the other side. Is he going to get deliver-, deliver you out of it while you're dealing with it? Or is he going to deliver you and you don't even have to deal with it? Oh, that's the one I want. I don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> it's what everybody wants. But there are two other ways of deliverance. And how it comes is up to God. It's up to us to believe God for the deliverance. How it happens is up to God. See, and this is what people do I'm believing God for deliverance. I'm believing God is going to deliver me. And then we start entering into the situation I thought God was going to deliver me. I don't know why this is happening to me. And it gets worse and worse and worse. I was believing God to deliver me, and it's getting worse and worse. Take a breath, son. See, as long as you're breathing, God can deliver you. (laughs) So you wanted to be delivered to where you don't even have to deal with the situation. Then you wanted to be delivered when the situation was starting. But bless God, I'm not going to be like them three Hebrew children. they got to go into the fire. But yet, we want God to be glorified. Who's going to choose? How? I'm going to let you in on a little hint. When it comes to God being glorified, we really have no idea how. When you go home tonight, I want you to go in your bathroom and look in the mirror and see if you've noticed a glorified creature in that mirror. And if not, then the glory is up to God. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> so Paul leaves it up to God how the deliverance is going. Now, we know that Paul was delivered out of this situation, that he was writing to the, the Philippian church. In fact, you know, and it wasn't until later when he said, when he was in the Roman prison and he said, I have Fought the good fight, I have run the race, I have finished my course, I'm ready to depart. When he said, I'm ready to depart, then he was ready. And God said, okay. Amen. Amen. The word suddenly is used 42 times in the word of God. We're not covering every one of them tonight. But a very, very common one is over in Acts 2-2. So go ahead and turn over there. Acts 2-2. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, not Acts with a two (laughs) two. I couldn't resist it, thinking about that Christmas party from years ago. Only some of you know about it, and the rest, we're not explaining it. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly, unexpectedly, and unforeseeably. It pertains to an extremely short period of time between a previous state and a subsequent state. That's what suddenly is all about. Suddenly God moves, and it goes from, and you go from a previous state into a subsequent state. Immediately, things have changed. This is not restoring, recovering. This is immediate change. Suddenly, unaware, it happened. Why did it happen? Because Jesus told them, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise. And what did they do? They went into Jerusalem and waited for the promise. So they were in the plan. They were in the plan of God, in the will of God. And God moved suddenly. Getting in the plan of God. Getting in the move of God. And God can move suddenly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now go over to Acts chapter 9 and verse 3. Talking about Saul. And he was traveling, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, suddenly, okay? So something has happened. This is beyond Saul's wildest dreams. And you know, God can do things beyond your wildest dreams, isn't that right? But again, it happened within the plan. You say, well, Saul was not walking in the plan. No, but Saul was a part of the plan. So this didn't happen so that Saul could go to Damascus and just kind of chill. Saul, you've been working real hard. You need to chill. So here's a little something that I'm going to move suddenly for you so you can chill out. No, this is to bring Saul into the plan. It's always about the plan always about the plan, always within the will of God that you need to know for your life. What is the will of God in your life? What is the plan of God for your life? Your plan from God could be that you are to raise your grandchildren so that ultimately the curse that's been on that family will be broken. Oh, Jesus. Now, those don't seem like plans of grandeur for many people when you talk about the plan of God, the will of God. Let me tell you something. If you can't deal with your grandchildren, you ain't getting into anything else. <laughs> you know, so come on. Yep. Now, we're talking about, I'm not talking about grown grandchildren. They have their own will. But th- when they're small. You have an opportunity to put into them what needs to be put in, and maybe there's a curse on that family that needs to be broken. Amen. And when the curse gets broken off of that family, they may rise up and do great things for the, things that, for the kingdom of God. But it was all because of you fulfilling the plan that God had in your life. Now, a lot of times we don't see that because we're focused on me. God has a big vision. He sees way down the road because he's already been there. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 12. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. So you could say that Peter got hungry. He went upstairs to pray. He got hungry. But they were preparing food, so he couldn't eat yet. But then all of a sudden, he goes into a trance or has a vision, an open vision. And he sees this coming down from the sky. So you could say all of a sudden, suddenly, this happened. He didn't go up there and go, I'm going to pray for a vision. No, he went up there just to pray. This is very important. He went up there to pray. He didn't pray to get a vision. A lot of people want to pray to get a vision, and the fertility of their mind really does help them see what they want to see. He just went up to pray, just to spend time with the Lord. And suddenly, unexpectedly, this vision happens to him. Verses 13 through 20. And a voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He was hungry, remember? But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Because these were all unclean animals, according to the law. Again, a voice came to him a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be. Notice, while he was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be. You know, sometimes we get things from the Lord and our mind jumps right in there trying to figure it out. And all it will ever do is confuse you. Your mind can't figure it out because your mind's not connected to the things of God. You have to know it in your spirit, which will teach your mind. And while he was perplexed in his mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon House, appeared at the gate. So he doesn't have to figure out what this is all about. God's going to show him. See, God will always show you. If God gave you something, he'll show it to you. You don't have to get up there in that head, that thick head, and try to figure it out. It don't know. It won't be able to figure it out. I don't mean this in a rude way, but it ain't smart enough to figure it out. It has to be told. Verse 18 through 20. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings or without doubting. For I have have sent them myself. All of this is happening suddenly to Peter. Peter was looking for one thing: eat. That's all Peter wanted to do was eat. He falls into a trance, has the vision, and the Gentiles now come to the house. And he is supposed to go with them. Now, remember what the Lord said in the vision. Don't call anything unholy that I have cleansed. See, he's going to reveal to him what this vision is about. Peter will never get this by thinking about it. Yeah. We come up with all kinds of stuff thinking. But what did Brother Hagen always call it? Stinking (laughs) thinking. Amen. Verse 21 to 23. So Peter went down to the man and said, behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging, and on the next day he got up and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So, in a nutshell... Peter goes up to pray, he gets hungry, he gets a vision, he said, I will not eat anything unholy and unclean, and the Lord said, do not call un- unholy what I have cleansed, and then they, people come from Cornelius' house, he goes to, uh, with them the next day to Cornelius' house. Why? Why did this happen? Why did this suddenly take place with Peter? Peter had a suddenly because somebody else was praying. Peter had a suddenly because somebody else was praying. And why did Peter have the suddenly? Because to answer the person praying, the Lord needed somebody to act. He sent an angel to tell him to call for Peter because the angel cannot preach salvation. Angels can't preach salvation. Only man can preach salvation. So the angel told Cornelius, send for Peter, and Peter will tell you the things you need to know. So somebody was praying. The Lord needed somebody to act. Why did Peter have a vision? Was it a word of the Lord? Sure it was. Don't call anything unholy what I've cleansed. What was he talking about? Gentiles getting saved. Nobody had ever gone to the Gentiles before. Gentiles were considered dogs. Isn't that right? So this is what you call a major plan or a major change. Nobody from the Jews had ever, ever, ever gone to a Gentile. When Jesus was on the earth, he told them to go to the house of Israel. Do not go to the Samaritans. Remember that? But when Jesus rose from the dead and is ready to ascend into heaven, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth. So therefore, it's opened up now to everybody, but they didn't get it. Why? Because they're in a thinking. They're in a form of thinking that it's only Israel. Salvation is for the Jews. That's what they were thinking, right? That's what they were brought up with. The Messiah is coming for the Jews. But Jesus said it's for the world. Go to every race, ethnicity, every person, every, everyone that's in an econo- whatever economic situation, whatever education level they're at. Man, woman, child, it doesn't matter. Go to them all. Tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified. So this is a major change. And Peter is going to need a vision for it to happen. And in the vision, God said to him, do not doubt. Remember, Peter You walked on the water, but you doubted. This time I want you to go and don't doubt. Amen. So it was a plan, wasn't it? And Peter's part of that plan. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 7. We know that Peter is facing trial with the possibility of death. He's in prison. No way out, it seems. Verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Amen. So the angel appeared to deliver him. Isn't that right? 8 and 9. And it happened suddenly. And the angel said to him, gird yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. (laughs) He didn't even recognize what was happening. He was jolted out of a deep sleep. Anybody ever been jolted out of a deep sleep? You don't know what's going on. You're stumbling around and, you know, it takes you a while to get it together. Isn't that right? So you can imagine you can imagine Peter, and imagine the great peace that he was sleeping in. Peace, what do you mean, peace? How could he be sleeping in peace? He's facing a trial. He, 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 he might be put to death tomorrow. I mean, this is a big thing. Well, so was the storm that Jesus was in, and he slept. This was a hurricane, but he went to sleep in the boat. Maybe Peter learned from that. Maybe Peter learned in the middle of a storm, we'll just sleep in trust, Mm -hmm. in peace. Because, let let me ask you this question. If Peter was going to worry all night long, would that get him out? You might as well sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Why did this happen? The plan. What was Peter's plan in his life? Do you know? Go to the Jews. Peter's plan was to go to the Jews, wasn't it? He was sent to the Jews. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Peter was sent to the Jews. Have the Jews already been converted? Have the Jew, has, has all of Israel been preached to? So then, Pete is not done with his plan, is he? He's not done. What have you been called to do? What have you been called to do? What is your purpose in life? What are our expectations within that plan? Many have expectations for what they want. But do you have expectations within the plan of God for your life? What is the plan? Do you know? You should know. Mm -hmm. Every year you should visit this. Every year you should get this going on the inside. Every year recalculate and refigure what needs to be refigured and recalculated. Every single one of us, if we were born for just such a day as this, what were you born for? Jet travel. I mean, come on. So we could fly on jets. I don't have to fly on old prop planes. I could fly on jets. I was made for air conditioning. I mean, I was, you know, but that's, that's not what I was born for, to enjoy air conditioning. What was I born for? If I was born for such a day as this, what's the purpose you didn't come out of heaven just because God had nothing else to do with you. Heaven's getting crowded. Get on down to the earth. <laughs> what did he send you here for? What's the plan? What's the purpose? If you don't know, it's a good time to start finding out. Of yeah. course, we need to have expectations within the plan. Verse 10. And, they, and, when, and when they had passed the first and second guard, <laughs> they went past two guards, didn't even know it. They came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. Amazing. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So the angel, angel does the jailbreak, gets him out, brings him out onto the street, and the angel leaves him. Peter says, what do I do now? No, Peter knew exactly what to do. It says he went to his own company who was meeting in the upper room. That's where they always met. So he goes back there. Why didn't the angel accompany him? Because he could do that himself. The angel did what Peter could not do. Now this is not Promoting (laughs) jailbreaks. There's laws against that. The angel did what Peter could not do, and Peter was to do what Peter could do. Don't get those two things confused. Stop expecting God to do what you can do. Now, that doesn't mean you do what you do and you expect God to then make up for what you can't do. No, God is the one in the lead. He leads you in the things you can't do. And then he'll let you do the things that you can do. Don't get confused on who's up front. Who leads and who follows. Amen. Chapter 16. Verses 25 and 26. Now here's Paul and Silas. They're in prison. Seems to be a famous place to be. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Well, who would have thought that was going to happen? I mean, they just got together. They're going to start singing, kumbaya. You know, they're having a good time. They're going to worship the Lord together. Their hands are in stocks. You know, they're all wrapped up. They're in prison, in the inner prison, in fact. And who would ever imagine that this is going to happen? And their their stocks are going to fall off. Their prison doors are going to open up. I would say unexpected and unforeseen is a good example of this. Who would ever think this was going to happen? Was the whole city hit with an earthquake? No. No. Only the jail was. Why? Because it's pinpoint deliverance. God does pinpoint deliverance. Amen. Amen. If God can bring deliverance by pinpointing his servant in prison, why do people think that he has to destroy a whole city with a catastrophe to judge a handful of sinners? God knows how to pinpoint. Long before the military came up with painting a, 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 an object and a, a, a jet being able to release a missile above the clouds and hit that target. Pinpoint. Pinpoint. God was pinpointing long before that. God knows how to pinpoint. He knows exactly where you're at. Well, where's that? Well, he knows whether you're in the plan or not. That's what he knows. He doesn't care if you're in Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, Alabama, California. Are you in the plan? That's what counts. Because his deliverance is pinpointed. Into his plan. Amen. Walking in his purpose. And you know, there's that, there's that verse in Proverbs that says that when you are the righteous and you obey God, that even your neighbors live in safety. Well, even the ones that were close to, right next to them, right there in the prison, they all got delivered. And they all got saved. <laughs> right? Amen. Verse, uh, chapter 22 Verses 6 and 7. 22, verses 6 and 7. So here's Paul. I think he's before Agrippa, and he's giving an account. And it says, But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly. Now, this is noontime. Noontime is the brightest time of the sun. But he says, it's noontime, but a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. This is brighter than the sun. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Paul's recounting the, 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 the whole episode to Agrippa. I believe it was Agrippa. And he even knew this was a suddenly that happened to me. I was not expecting this. This was unforeseen. I had a plan, but then God had a plan. And I was part of God's plan. Right? So he's recounting the event, and he declared it was a suddenly event. So even, even Paul knew this was a suddenly. <laughs> Amen. 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 You know, that's what happened when I got saved. It was a suddenly event. You know, I was just going my way, doing my thing. You know? And then all of a sudden... God brings somebody from, he lived in Amakoli, and he brings them to Port Charlotte to work in a shop right next to me, in the stall right next to me in the repair shop. And you know the account, I've told you this. And the service manager said, did you meet the new guy yet? I said, no, I've been busy I haven't had time. He said, well, he seems like a nice guy, he's a minister, you know. Oh, oh, if you could see, steam would have come out of my ears. And I was like, he better not say a word to me. I don't want to hear nothing he's got to say. I know there's a God, and that's good enough. Good enough for who? (laughs) So, yeah, you know, so that was the deal, you know. And I did not want to hear anything that he had to say. And then after about a week or so, I finally said hello to him. Like I was doing him a favor. (laughs) And he told me later on, he says, you know, I didn't really want to witness to you. I knew the Lord wanted me to witness to you, but I didn't want to. I figured you're going to punch me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, so, you know, and then we were just going along. And, of course, things in life were getting worse and worse and worse. And you get to that point with D-Day, Decision Day. And it's all of a sudden, poof, everything just opened up. It's like, oh, wow. On the other side of decision, you had to make the decision first. And then everything opens up. Everybody wants it to open up, and then you make a decision. Well, there's no decision then. You know, that's like uh, you say to somebody, come to work for me today, and I'll give you $100. Okay, well, give me the $100, and I'll come to work for you. No, it don't work that way. You got to say, okay, I'll come to work first and do the work and then get the $100. So the results is always on the other side of the decision. Mm. On this side of the decision, you can't see. But once you make that decision, dear God, oh, oh I see. Amen. Are you with me? Luke chapter 2. Everybody okay? Yes. You having fun? All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and then 13, 9, 10, and 13, Luke chapter 2. You're right, Brian, the, the camel, his tongue was out. He was just about to drink my water. Good thing I got back there in time. Luke chapter 2, 9, 10, and 13. Okay, that's Luke chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 13. It says, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Remember, this is the field, the shepherds, and they were in shepherds' field on the night that Christ was born suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all of the people. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, and what they said. Within moments, these guys had two suddenlies. I mean, they're out there taking care of the sheep like they normally do, watching over the sheep. These were the sheep that was going to be used in temple sacrifices, the spotless lambs. You had to really take care of them, protect them. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shines all around them and an angel shows up. So you can imagine the surprise. But then in moments after that, suddenly there appears with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, all the soldiers, the warring angels of God. These are not little baby angels in diapers. This is the heavenly host, and they all come, and they're praising God and saying the things about God. My goodness. I'd say that was a night like no other night. Huh? The realm of the spirit had invaded the natural realm with an extreme suddenly. Glory to God. What is a suddenly? The spirit realm invades the natural realm. That's what the suddenly is. It moves you out of a position you were in into a subsequent position immediately. Changed. Amen. Luke 24, verses 2 to 6. Giving you a Bible workout tonight. Everybody needs to exercise their biblical muscles, you know. Luke 24, verses 2 to 6. It says, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. You know when that was. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. These were some flashy dudes. And, while, and it says, and as the women were terrified and bowed their va- faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here they went to the tomb for a memorial service. But suddenly, in a moment of time, things are not as they were. The ordinary course of life was interrupted. By a suddenly. They moved out from a previous state to a subsequent state. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verses 35 through 37. Mark 13, 35 through 37. It says, therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. In, the, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep, what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Why? Because he is going to interrupt our ordinary course of living. We're going to be about our everyday business, doing the things we do, and suddenly the Lord will show up. Amen. Amen. So the idea here is that his disciples were to be at work and not caught napping. His disciples are to be involved in his plan, in his will, and not caught sleeping. The Christian is always on duty, not just the pastor. The Christian is always on duty. The return of Jesus is certainly going to be a suddenly. And the Bible says, blessed is the servant who is found doing what the master left him to do when he returns, which is in Luke 12, 42 and 43. Blessed is the servant who is found doing what the master left him to do when he returns. In other words, blessed is the servant who is found doing the will of God and walking in the plan of God when he returns. This is why it says, when Jesus returns, will he find faith? Oh, God, I'm believing for my needs to be met. Oh, God, I'm believing for this to be done. Oh, God, I'm believing for this. No, faith is walking in his plan and walking in his will and doing what he's left you to do as you live by faith. That's what it's all about. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 3 to 6. You notice we're getting towards the end of the Bible. First Thessalonians 5, verses 3 to 6. It says, while they were saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor are we of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Now, I want you to do this with me while you're sitting there. Close your eyes. What do you see? You, you, what is it? Say it again. Dark. dark. That's what you see, dark. Open your eyes and there is the light. We are children of the light, so therefore we should be alert and our eyes should be opened and we should not be living in the darkness. It's about being in position for the suddenly. You're not going to be in position for the suddenly if you're living in the darkness. It's about being awake, being sober, being sober. And not sleeping, and we're not talking about natural sleep, we're talking about sleeping spiritually. Mm-hmm. Spiritually speaking, we need to be aware and we need to be oh, active. You need to watch and be sober, yeah. sober minded, and set on these things. Jesus does not joke about this. This is serious where he says he does not want anyone to perish. Is is serious when he says that as children of the light, walk in the light and don't be in the dark because suddenly he's coming. Yeah. Not being indifferent to spiritual realities. That's living in the dark. When you are a, let's say you're a, you're a Christian, you're a born again believer, but you're, you're indifferent about spiritual realities. Oh, that's just spiritual stuff. We don't care about that. See, that's an indifference and that's Darkness. Not having, or not having a moral and spiritual laxity or insensibility. There's a lot of Christians today that live, they don't live a moral life. Living in darkness. They have spiritual laxity, insensitivity, insensibility. Not awake, ready, and focused. This is why we need to continually be pressing in. Because that sleep and slumber can come upon you immediately. Yes, it is. We have to be hungry for the Word of God, thirsty for fellowship with the Holy Spirit, walking in the truth and protected with righteousness around us, the shield of righteousness, standing in stability. The shoes of peace, shielded by faith with that shield of faith in front of us, having a soundness of soul in our mind with the helmet of salvation and declaring a life giving word out of our mouth, a life giving word out of our heart and out of our mouth. Isn't that right? We should be given to prayer on a regular basis. You should not go through the day and think I never prayed. You ought to be. Pr- you're, you're you're a spirit being. you 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 are. If you might be filled with the Holy Ghost, you could pray in tongues all the time, anytime. You could be doing anything and be praying in tongues. You don't need to be on your knees, dear God. It's a spiritual position, not a physical position. Amen. And we need to be hungry for these things. Revelation chapter 1. I told you we're getting to the end of the book. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. It says, I was, this is John speaking, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Now, we know the Lord's Day is not Sunday. This is not the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they got a day off from work in Patmos in order to honor Jesus Christ. No, this is the Empress Day. It should not be a capital L. It should be a little L, the Lord's Day. It was the Empress Day. And on that day, they didn't work. So John is in his cell or wherever he is in the cave, and he's praying. And he said, I was in the spirit. And the word, that, what, what that means in the Greek is that I came to be or suddenly and unexpectedly found myself in the spirit realm. This doesn't mean I was caught up with the spirit of God as I was praying, which you can be. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about unexpectedly, boom, all of a sudden I found myself in the spirit realm. And I turned around to see the one that was speaking to me. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his hair was white wool like snow. And there was a garment to his feet, a white robe and a sash across his chest. And he stood among the candlesticks and had the stars in his hand, which was the church and the ministry. And he had feet like burnished bronze and a two-edged sword. Transported right into the spirit realm and saw the living Jesus. Than what he looked like in his glorification. Hallelujah. Now, when he says here that I was in, it was actually in the Greek, was written in the middle voice. Okay, the active voice is when you do something yourself. The passive voice is when something's done to you. But the middle voice is you've done something and something was done to you. You both had a part in it. So what this means is John was doing something. God did something. And they worked together without even really knowing it. John was just taking time to pray. And as he was taking time to pray, all of a sudden, a suddenly occurs. Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray. And all of a sudden, a suddenly occurs. Paul and Silas are in prison and they start praising. And all of a sudden, a suddenly occurs. Close your eyes. It's not where suddenly happens. Suddenly will never happen there. Are you with me? John is just doing as he needed to do, praying. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's an old man. No offense to anybody. I'm going to suppose he was older than me. I'll be 72 next week. I'm supp- yeah, I think he was older than that when he was on Patmos. And he could have been whining. And he could have been complaining. But what was he doing? Honoring. Worshiping. Giving reverence in first place to the Lord. Paul and Silas, they could have been in prison going, i tell you what. We, we all, we're obeying God. We're doing, and we get thrown in prison. I mean, this ain't right. I mean, I don't, why don't God take care of us? I mean, I wish God would protect us. Why don't he do something? And they'd have died in prison. No, they were honoring God, worshiping God, giving God first place. And suddenly, suddenly, something comes about. Amen. John is on Patmos praying. Peter is in prison, sleeping in faith. Paul and Silas is in maximum security. Praising the Lord. Peter's on the rooftop waiting for dinner. 120 are in the upper room praying as they're waiting. Where were they? In position. What position? In the plan. In the plan, in position. So that God could move in his plan and they not miss it. See, you can walk in the plan of God somewhat. But never really given time to God. And you'll miss what he wants to do. But they were in the plan, but they were positioning themselves in that plan. So when God moves, they're ready for it. Their position allowed God to move, their position allowed God to move. What will this suddenly be in 2023? What will this suddenly look like in 2023? Now, you could try to imagine it in your mind, just like Peter was perplexed in mind. You could spend all your time trying to figure it out in your mind, or you can just allow this to stir up in your spirit. Because yes. he can do beyond your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and your wildest imagination. So, maybe like Paul, we need to raise our expectations. Because you know what God's doing this year? He is raising his expectation on you. God's expecting every single one of us to come up to another level. He's expecting us as we're expecting him to move. Maybe we're on the edge of our seat waiting for him to move, but he's on the edge of his throne waiting for us to get it together so that he can move. So as much as we're wanting God to do something, he's wanting us to do something. Mm-hmm. As much as we may be raising our expectations on him, he's raising his on, our, on us. Yes. That it's no longer time or good enough just to live the way you've lived and do things the way you've done it. It's time to step up, yeah, step you, out, yeah. and step in. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, thank you, Jesus, could have missed her suddenly. Her part was to do what? When Jesus came into town, what was her part? To immediately go. Immediately go. Now, we know Jairus was out there. We know the multitude was out there. You know, and we've talked about this before. And every one of those could have deterred her considering her physical condition and bleeding for 12 years. She was in a very weakened physical position. She was in a poverty-stricken financial position, which she used to be well off, but she spent everything she had going to doctors. And then she was in a very social outcast condition because of her physical condition. She could have been stoned for being out in the street, called her unclean according to the law. And Jairus, who was the synagogue official, was right there with, with Jesus. They could have given the order to stone her. And she could have sat in the house and go, well, there's Jesus. But, you know, if he's spiritual enough, he'll come to my house. No, when Jesus showed up, she had a faith that said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. That's what her faith was. And the minute she saw Jesus, that was the opportunity to immediately walk in what she believed. To walk by faith and not by sight. And because she did, suddenly, she moved out of a previous state into a subsequent state. Her obedience is what released her suddenly. Blind Bartimaeus is on the side of the road. He's probably thinking, he's heard about Jesus. The Fame went out about him all over the place. He's probably heard about Jesus, thinking, well, I'll tell you what, if Jesus could come pray for me, I'd be healed. And all of a sudden, she's sitting on the side of the road, blind, and he hears all the commotion going on and hears that it's Jesus. And he starts crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the religious people told him, be quiet. This is a reverential time. You do not talk in church. So he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, have him come here. And then all the pious religious people said, oh, take strength, my son. He's calling you. If I was him, I'd say, get out of my way, fool. Blind Bartimaeus, but Blind Bartimaeus, you know, he didn't have an attitude. He was so happy that Jesus stopped. And Jesus called him over. He said, what would you have me to do? Blind Bartimaeus said, well, if you give me a year's worth of alms, I won't have to be out here begging for a year. I could take a year off. And Jesus would have said, here you go. But that's not what he said, was it? No, he says, I'd like to regain my sight. And Jesus said, well, be it done to you according to your faith. And he received his eyesight. Suddenly, moved out of a previous state to a subsequent state. Let me tell you something about your previous state. It does not matter how long you've had it. It don't matter how long it's hung around. It don't matter if it's been in your family for generations. It doesn't matter nothing about the previous state. Because when suddenly happens, you're going to move into a subsequent state. Things are going to change, and they'll never go back to the way that they were. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is our position? Walk by faith. Yes. That's our position, to walk by faith. Our position is to act on what we believe to be truth. And we can trust God for the suddenly. It's time to raise our hopeful expectations. Just like Paul said, according to my expectations and hope, I know it will happen. Well, we need to raise our expectations and our hope. God works the suddenly. He is the God of suddenly. But it's time for us to live on the edge of our seat. It is time for edge-of-the-seat living, glory to God, ready to move at any moment, ready to give, ready to act, ready to go, ready to do. As soon as he mentions it, as soon as he talks to us and shows us, we're doing it. Amen. 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 This is not, well, you never know what God's going to do. I have an expectation. You never know what God's going to do. No, we're not talking about that dumb stuff. There's no faith in that. I mean, I've had people say this to me. This one person in particular says to me, Well, I'm going to go look at this this house that I'm thinking about. I'd like to go. I have absolutely no money to buy this house, but I'm going to go look at it because you never know what God can do. Fool. That's foolishness. You know, because what? There's faith, foolishness, and presumption. There was no faith in that. How does faith come? We're going back to teaching on faith. Why? Because I want you to move out of your previous state into a subsequent state. Amen. It's not you never know what he's going to do. Well, you just don't know what God's will is. Do you know his word? Well, he does according to his word. You can always know what God's will is because his will is his word. There's no such thing as we don't know what God's will is. If you don't know what God's will is, you don't read his word. It's really that simple. Amen. We know what his word says. We know that he does what his word says. How will he do it? It's up to him. Why? Because the seed is sown in the ground. And the farmer goes to sleep by day and gets up and goes by night and gets up by day. And the seed grows. How? He don't know. All he knows is when the harvest comes, I put in the sickle and I reap. Because the how is up to God. The how is up to God. The suddenly is the how, and that's up to God. But we're on the edge of our seat because we know what the Word says. We have faith in the Word of God, and we know that God will bring about what God said. I know this will turn out for my deliverance according to my earnest expectation and hope. I know that God is more than enough and supplies all my needs because I give and I receive. I know that God will heal me because Jesus has already shed his blood and bore my sicknesses and my diseases and healing belongs to me. He's provided it all. I know. Well, how's it going to happen? Don't matter. Matters not. I am in position for suddenly glory to God. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 It's time to get on the edge of your seat. Get on the edge of your seat. Amen. Get on the edge of your seat. Yes. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how we sit from now on. This is how I listen to the Word from now on. This is how I spend my time before the Lord from now on. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. How about you? Are you ready? See, you're moving. Some of you are moving. You're getting it. You're moving on to the edge of your seat. Some of you are just still laid back. You ain't moving for nothing. Then again, some of you are getting on the edge of your seat. You're getting ready. Now, listen, sitting on the edge of your seat physically means nothing. But if that's what you need to do as a point of contact to remind you, get on the edge of your seat, then do it. You got to do what you got to do as a point of contact to, to, re, to remind you that I have to live on the edge of my seat. I have to listen on the edge of my seat. I need to pray on the edge of my seat. I need to get into fellowship with the Holy Ghost on the edge of my seat. Take all the seat backs off of your chairs and sit on the edge of your seat. God wants to do some things. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ha ha. Ha ha. See, there's some of you that you have been dealing with situations and you think that where you're at, it's impossible to change it. But you know, nothing's impossible with God. And there is nothing that is possible that is impossible from them that believe God. With God, all things are possible. And all things are possible to him who believes. So the more you hear the word, the more your thinking changes, the more your believing is going to change. If you allow your believing to change, your thinking will change and what you have will change. And this can be your year for things to be totally different by this time next year. You do not have to remain where you're at today. There is no such thing as impossible in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 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 You might be listening on live stream or listening on podcast tonight. And you might think, well, there's things going on in my life and I just don't know how this is going to change. God is a God of change. God is a God that can make things new, change things. It does not matter how long that previous state has been in your life or in your family. There's a subsequent state that God has planned for you. And all we're going to do is get in position so that he can move with his suddenly on our behalf. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody stop me because I could just keep going on this all night long. (laughs) Stop. Okay, I got the word. Start raising up your expectations. Take the things you've heard tonight and the things that we're going to hear this year. Get them in your heart. Get them in your mouth. Get them in your life. Get them in your heart. Get them in your mouth. Get them in your life. Get them in your heart. Get them in your mouth. Get them in your life. That means you got to focus. you got to pay attention. Give yourself to it. And it's going to change your life. From today to December 31st of 2023 goes by, boom, just like that. Don't think, that's a long time. Before you know it, it will be here. Yes, again. You've got a calendar of 12 months. Start giving yourself to these things and watch what the Lord will do yes. in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah, Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah. Glory to God. We bless you, Lord, we honor you, we glorify you, give you all the praise and the glory, Lord, because there is none like you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of suddenly, that you are the God that changes our lives from a previous state to a subsequent state. Thank you, Lord, immediately it will change, because we decide today, immediately I will obey you. Say that with me, Lord Lord God, from this day on. I decree decree. that immediately Immediately, I will obey you. Immediately Immediately. I will act. Immediately Immediately. I will give. give. Immediately Immediately. I will go. go. Whatever it is, whatever you say, however you lead me, Immediately. immediately, immediately I will give myself to that which I hear. Through your word and in my spirit. In Jesus, name, I it. in Jesus' name, I decree it, I declare it, I declare it. and it will be, so. and will be so. I give myself to that, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name. amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Father, we just thank you so much for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for what you, you have moved on the inside of us, that you've stirred us up, that you have brought understanding, revelation, impartation to us that our heart stirs with an expectation of living on the edge of our seat. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, that our eyes are lifted up from the place that we're at and we can see into your promises, we can see into your kingdom, and we can see all that you are and what you prepared for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. As we come before you with our giving, I thank you, Father, that it is the seed of life for tomorrow's harvest, that it produces the things that we need. Thank you, Lord, that we can never outgive you, that no matter what we give, it comes back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, because you always give back more than what has been given. So we come to you with, to, with our seed, to honor you this day, to bless you, Lord, and to give reverence to you with our tithes, with our offerings. We thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us on live stream, on podcast. We're so glad that you could be with us tonight. And uh, I do pray that the word of God has touched you right where you're at and that your expectations have been raised up for 2023. God is a good God and he has good things in store for you. In fact, he said that his plans for you are good for a good future. And we know that God's looking down the road and he's already been there. So he knows the good plans he has for you. And all we have to do is choose to walk in obedience to him and follow him on his path. The path that drips fatness, it's called the path of life. Hallelujah. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And if there's anything that we can ever pray with you about, it's an honor and privilege for us to pray with you and believe God for your needs to be met. Please contact us, let us know, email us. Uh, contact information is on the website. And we thank you in advance for the seed that you sow and for the opportunity to pray with you. 2023 is coming. It's going to be a great year. Starting tomorrow starts the click of the calendar. Let's use it wisely and let's step into more and more of what God has for us. Amen.